Hi, I'm Pete Seligman, and this is season four of my podcast, The Next Step. This year, we hosted the first ETA forum at Manly Beach in Sydney, Australia. So in this season of the podcast, I'll be sharing with you the audio from each session of the forum. At the beginning of each episode, I'll provide an intro to the speakers, and then at the end, I'll share with you the key messages and insights that I took from each presentation. If you were there on the day, these episodes will provide a good opportunity to reflect on your learning. If you weren't able to join us this time, even though you missed the networking, these episodes are a good summary of the content shared at the event. I hope you enjoy them. The last one is succession. Obviously for businesses, that's important. But also for you, not in terms of selling the business off, but in terms of your role as you grow that business. Who's sitting behind me? Am I making sure I am becoming as irrelevant as I can be as quickly as I can be in the roles? Otherwise, I'm gonna get stuck in this role. Your job is to become as high as you can oversight looking at your business so you can look strategically over that brick wall and start to look at things like scale, etc. Okay, so now we're gonna change pace a bit we're introducing Axa Bar to the stage. He's a business coach and he's the founder of Second Squared and also Wayfinder Capital, both are pretty active organizations in the search fund community here in Australia. And he's gonna be talking about the highs and lows of the searcher and owner and operator journey. So rather than necessarily talking about a lot of the detailed metrics and kind of measurable hard data and information and experience around search, it's more about mindset and he's going to take us on an insightful journey through that process to understand what's required from a self-awareness and mindset perspective when it comes to search and ETA. So I'll leave you with him for the next 30 minutes or so and then I'll come back and give you some of my feedback on where I thought the key points were. Hope you enjoy it. Good morning everyone. How are you? The presentation today is about the energetic highs and lows of of the operator. What I wanted to also ask you to do is to look at this, not in, in just the context of an operator, the journey you'll go on if you are a searcher who acquires, but also look at this in the context of your search process and the highs and lows that you will definitely go through there. And the other one, Nick's laughing, and the other one is to, to potentially look at it um, in terms of when you're looking at particular opportunities, what's going through, not just the mind, of the operator, the person that might be selling to you, what's also going on emotionally for them and in terms of their mindset? Because there's been a few people, certainly in this room, who've got to the point of, of about the sign and then suddenly it is, as, as Nima says, pens down. Um, what's actually happening on the other side of that table? So in order to do that, we thought we'd um, uh, share some stuff uh, that we've developed over the years in terms of working with many, many businesses. Um, now, some of you might have had this um, weird experience of walking into two almost identical businesses on the same day, similar industries, etc. yet the energy in one is buzzing and you kind of go, wow, this is awesome. You walk into the other one, it's like going into a morgue. And you're kind of going, hold on, similar market conditions, um, similar products, similar everything, but what's different? And it's a lot about, it's a lot to do with the the person, the mindset, and what's going on for that person. So that's what we're going to cover today. So let me just take you through quickly the agenda. Um, I'd like to talk a bit about Wayfinder Capital and the journey to getting to Wayfinder Capital with, with Louis and Nima, and the journey we've taken as well as the journey we take in business. Um, I'm going to map it around the energy that we have. Um, in the podcast, I talked about 
the fact that we do a lot of work in our minds around the numbers, the, the calculations, all the stuff that we have to do commercially, but there's also the personal side of this journey. And I'd encourage you to take this next 45 minutes as a way of looking at um, when you acquire that business, not only just a personal journey, but a personal journey of self-awareness. Um, having started a, a number of businesses over the past 22 years, you do become very self-aware around what's going on for you moment by moment, day by day. Um, more importantly, if you're looking at that self-awareness, how can you use commercial strategies to actually counteract some of the non-commercial stuff that might be going on in your head? <clears throat> so not so long ago, as Nima said, 2017, um, uh, Louis and I were introduced to the concept of search. Um, Louis Pangerella uh, has had um, a, an awesome stellar career in the corporate world in M&A, and he left that about 15 or 16 years ago to start a consulting practice. Um, about 22 years ago, I did a similar thing and, and uh, started up a small uh, coaching and consulting practice. Um, I grew that um, with partners nationally, then internationally. Sold that off a few years ago um, and do a little bit of that part-time. Um, so Louis and I met along the way probably about 12 years ago now, um, and we've always had this conversation around two kinds of clients that we'd worked with. The mid-tier client that's either uh, struggling with growth, growth and scale or hasn't thought through succession. And as Jake mentioned this morning, um, succession is something that is just not really thought through for a lot of people in the SME space. The other lot that we work with is this group of executives who are coming out of the corporate world going, I really don't like it here. I'm never going to get to be the CEO. I'd like to go and run my own business. And um, we'd always see them go to a business broker um, and generally buy something well under their weight, well under their capability. So we thought, what can we do to make this thing come together? Um, and we were independently looking for things and uh, caught up for a cup of coffee one day and we just both independently heard about search. And we were having a cup of coffee and Lou said, I've heard about this really new thing. And I said, is that a search fund? He goes, how did you know? And it was just that serendipitous moment where in mid-2017 we went, oh, let's go and look at this further. And from that point on, uh, we've been on this wonderful journey of, of being introduced to search and understanding what it's about. So July 2017, we set up this little business called Second Square and we kind of chuckled that we've done a startup to make sure no one else does a startup. I think that's really weird. Anyway, so we started up Second Squared, and it was um, called Second Squared because we wanted to accelerate search fund in Australia. We wanted to bring the model into Australia as quickly as we could. And that put us into a lot of trouble in the United States because they thought we were an accelerator. So we had to be very quick to explain to them that we are not an accelerator model, that we are an investor in a similar way that the relayers and the others are investors in the model. So 2017... Um, you probably can't see us. That's a picture of us at Harvard at the ETA conference in 2018. Um, we're looking rather anxious because we're um, jet-lagged out and we think we've arrived at the right place and there's no one there. Um, and we're going, oh, is this, did we do the right thing? And we're looking for other kindred spirits. We met two, uh, those two young lads there, Simon and Thomas. They're the other Aussies doing MBAs at Harvard. Um, and those four are the only Aussies in that room, and there would have been about 350 to 400 in that, in that room. So we kind of felt, mm, this, is, this is really interesting. We're feeling a bit out of, out of, out of the water. Um, and then we look at this. 
So not long after, we've got a full room. So that's, that's very exciting for us, having, having been on this journey. Um, along the way, we wrote a little book called A Mind for Acquisition. Um, and the reason I put that up is that today is about mindset and about how you apply your mindset to your game, to what you're doing, and looking at how the other person's mindset's acting out as well. So who are we? We're a, um, a venture capital limited partnership. We're raising 25 mil. Ten of that was first closed uh, back in July this year. And our first capital call of 4% was done in August. Very happy that everybody wrote their cheque. Um, that's fantastic. We've got another 15 mil that we're additionally raising um, and we're starting that process right now. Uh, we met uh, before breakfast this morning and talked about that pipeline that, uh, that Jake was talking about in terms of talent. Um, we're seeing a lot of, lot of top-end talent coming through the top of the funnel at the moment and um, we're kind of going, yep, we need, to, we need to put our speed skates on, raise that extra 15 mil. Um, our objective is to de deploy that over six years. I think it's going to be much faster than that. Um, and that will give us around 16 investments in, in search funds that are traditional, about eight in the self-funded arena, which will give us about a, a portfolio of about 20 businesses across Australia and New Zealand. To date, we have five investments in um, traditionally uh, raised funds. So we've got Greenstorm, we've got Page, we've got uh, Single Trail with, with, with Greg, we've got Acheron with uh, Luke, who's in the other room, we've got Crux Capital with uh, the, the lads, and uh, Resilient as well. Um, and we've made our first acquisition. We were able, really, really glad that we could support Alex in, in his acquisition of Inerva. Um, so uh, that's it to date. Plus, in our pipeline, as I mentioned, we've got about 20 active engagements that we're working with in both the potential uh, um, traditional search and the self-funded searches um, that are out there at the moment. <clears throat> that's us. There's Louis, Nima, and myself uh, on the journey. You've met them. If not, they're in the room. I want to talk a bit about energy now and the energy that we see in businesses and the journey that you're going to take. Um, energy was first really um, explored millennia ago, but it wasn't until Albert Einstein really started working with it that we started to understand energy in itself. And there was a particular thing he said, which I thought I'd use today, which is that not everything that counts can be counted not everything that can be counted counts. It's really interesting. So I want to do some of the stuff today which is non-countable, which is quite intangible, but is just as salient and relevant to the journey that you're on. You can't really see the picture there, but it's from the castle. Remember that comment about, oh, Your Honour, it's the vibe? It's the vibe. What is the vibe of the business? What's that energy? It's the feeling. What's the emotion? Um, how am I reacting to something or am I responding to it? And there's a very big difference there in terms of how we, how we take something on that's happening to us. Are we just reacting or are we taking a breath and rationally responding to it, even with our emotions in play? Um, how does this relate to engagement? There are a number of people in the room who have acquired businesses and are dealing with staff. Um, at which you, many of you will be doing at some stage in this process. And that engagement is really important. So how can we apply this to engaging not only with the staff that we, we acquire with the business, but also with our suppliers and everybody in the process, investors, etc. <coughs> 
So we're talking about energy at two levels. One's the rational energy, the thinking process that we put into doing the numbers, doing the research, getting out there into the market, making those calls, all that kind of stuff. The other one's the emotional stuff that people don't like to generally talk about. Interestingly enough, the uh, Corporate Leadership Council some years ago did, did a measure and noted that emotional engagement is four times more powerful than a rational engagement. So if we can get to the hearts and the minds of the people we're working with, we chances are we have a four times better rate of connecting with them and engaging with them and getting an outcome. So let's track the energetic journey. So what I've got on, on the board here is a very simple graph. And you've, if you've done an MBA, you've probably seen something similar or, or anyone who's done business school has probably seen something similar. We start with day one and the business um, grows. You can see the line of growth. It hits certain walls um, and then it splits out and it's across time. And what I wanted to do is just share with you um, the typical journey of somebody in business. We're going to track it to feelings and we're going to put it into five key, uh, I guess, stages. The first one's called startup. The next bit after that first little brick wall that I call a brick wall is called growth. And we hit a second brick wall and then after that we've got um, um, advanced growth, plateauing out and what we've seen in some businesses decline. Advanced growth means different things to the owners. It means things like not having to come and turn the lights on. It's about scale. It's all those things. So a lot of business owners don't ever get to that advanced growth stage because they're stuck in this growth cycle and don't generally get out of it. They can't jump that wall. So why is that? Let's take a look at the, the emotional journey. So let me ask you a question. Um, as you start this process of search, how are you feeling? Nick, how did you feel? Optimistic. Optimistic. Any other feelings come to mind? Excited. excited optimistic, excited. Is there anything else? Who left a big job? How did that feel? <laughs> right? There's a bit of anxiety in there as well. It's like, have I made the right decision? I'm not too sure what's going to happen. So if you put all that energy, all that emotion together, what do we see when people start up? we see frantic activity. They're on the phone. If you had business cards, you'd be doing business cards. You're calling people up, you're calling potential investors. You are just frantic. The phone is hot. So if you were to take all that energy and just call it excited is one thing, frantic is the other. So as we move up, in a traditional business, so if you're talking to a business owner that started their business, he or she might say, oh, I was so excited, I left the big job, I came in, I started at my desk at home, and then after a while, it got okay. And you go, what were your typical clients? And they'd say something like, anyone with a heartbeat in a checkbook. Um, and, and in many cases, that's the case, right? We just want some cash coming into the business. So your mates, anybody else, whoever. As that franticness dissipates and we start to see that the business might have some success, um, confidence sets in. And as we go through that point of confidence, we hit what this first brick wall is all about. And we call that the brick wall of investment. So we become invested. We start to do things and you'll ask your, the businesses that you talk to, when did you first, oh yeah, I remember when we first invested, we bought that shed and we moved out of home or we, we invested in an office or we did something like that. And there will be a, part, a marker in their story around that very first investment. You go, how did that feel? Yeah. 
scary. Because the next day I've got this thing I now need to fund as I take myself through the next part of the business. So after the investment stage, staff, equipment, buildings, whatever it might be, we, we go back into a bit of frantic. So energetically, we go back into that mixed up state. But pretty soon, that dissipates because the business is travelling. It's starting to build momentum. And we go through this area between um, that first brick wall and those two red lines. And if you were to ask the business owner, how was it like back then? How would you describe it? What do you reckon they'd call it? They were the good times. They were the good times. I remember we had time for staff, time for our clients, time to play golf. For Nima and I, it's time to go surfing. But whatever it was, we had the time. And wasn't it good? It grew. And I remember when we rang the bell for that first half a million dollar deal, and then the million dollar deal. Remember, we used to ring the bell. And you'll hear these stories. They were the good times. At some point in time, and not everyone in business goes through this, but, but, but a fair few do, you see these two little red lines in the middle? We call that payback. Not in that sense. In the sense of everything the owner got into business for, independence, good money, all those things have come together. It's awesome. It's payback. The feeling is euphoric. Generally, we can tell when a business in pay, is in payback. If you go into an accounting firm, it's generally four new BMWs sitting out the front. You go to an engineering firm, it's probably Volvos. Whatever it might be, um, we see four things happening at payback. New house, new spouse, <laughs> new car, new boat. Sometimes all four. But it's generally that period of money so good. Isn't this wonderful? Trying to talk to a business owner when they're in payback, they're not selling. This is going to go forever. This is a fantastic ride. It's wonderful. And you can't tell me that you can run the business better than I can. Ever. Because this is going to go on forever. But it doesn't. We know that, don't we? See the red line? There's a red dot before the second red line. Isn't this wonderful? I've now hocked myself up with a car, a boat, a house, and maybe a spouse. Number two, three, four. Um, that other red line, the other red dot on the second side is, I now have to work harder to support all that. I've now got to reinvest. Just when I thought things were going really well, now I've got to get back on the tools. I've got a lot more at stake now. So what happens is that all that stuff that I put on, hmm, I wonder whether they're doing the right thing. Well, Nick. What are you up to here? Oh, no, 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 no. I'll do that. Because that, if he stuffs that up, that's the house. That's the car. That's the this, that's that. So emotionally, we're starting to get a very different feel in the organisation, in the mind of the owner. Frustration starts to set in. The business is growing. You see that line? It is growing. But because we've taken money out and we've invested outside the business, our systems, processes, all the things that we invested in down here no longer support where business is going because our business is bigger. But we failed to see that because we thought as it was is going to be how it's going to be in the future. 
Frustration, if we don't do something about it, leads to stress. As we all know in this room, stress is not good. Our decision-making under stress is never great, but it happens. See that big red blob just near that second brick wall? Blood. If you stay frustrated and stressed enough, you hit that wall pretty hard and people become pretty disillusioned. This is where you'll hear the business owner go, if it wasn't for the staff and the clients, it'd be a great place to work. <laughs> no one's ever said that, have they? <laughs> so that becomes disillusionment. So this is the journey that a lot of a lot of business owners take and we can go through when we're doing our search and I know certainly Louis and I have gone through this three or four times in the past five years, many times over, but it's being aware of where you are. This is the most important thing. This is natural, this is normal. You're going to go through it. Being aware that you're at that stage and now what can I do about it? So let's see how this plays out. I'm in startup. I'm excited, I'm frantic and I've just bought a laptop and a printer for home and the printer fails. How do I fix it? Because I don't have any income yet. What do I do? What's my decision? Quick, I need to fix the printer. I've got my first proposal due out today. I'm printing my, my PPM, it's not coming out. What do I do? I ring Alex because he's had problems with his printer. And I go, Alex, I bought the same one as you did. How did, how did you fix it? And he goes, oh, you do this, that. And you're like, great, I owe, you, I owe you a carton of beer. Good. I'm invested. I've got an office, I've got some staff, and I've got a couple of um, systems. And we actually have an IT person that does something. They might be outsourced, but they're in. Printer breaks down. What do we do? Same problem. What's the choice? Because now we're investing. Yeah, call the IT guy. They'll fix it. Great. I'm in payback. <sighs> My secretary comes in and says, the printer's broken. What's your response? Take my new car, here are the keys, drive down over there, buy two. And I know that Nick just bought that really good four-colour one. Get a five-colour one. <laughs> Roll forward a bit more. We're frustrated. Things are not working that well. I'm about to hit the second brick wall. I'm stressed as hell. And someone knocks on my office door, dares to knock on my office door, and opens the door and says, Act, the printer's broken. What should I do? What would be my likely response? Hmm? Go ask somebody who fucking cares. Pardon, that's French. Same problem, but our emotional journey is putting a read on it. If we're not aware of that, we will react and cause certain things to happen in the business. So how do we break through? How do we break through this to get across the other side to advance growth? Because I'm assuming no one in the room wants a business that's just plateauing out. You'll see some of those. They could be really, really good opportunities to buy because they're just sitting there waiting, waiting. And you'll see they're plateaued out because staff attrition will start to happen. It's slow, but you'll start to see that staff attrition happen. It's just a really, really slow way of declining a business, killing it off. So what can we do to break through this into advanced growth? Well, there are a number of key commercial strategies that most of you will know about. 
Let's apply them to ourselves. If this will work. Here we go. So the first key strategy is what we call positioning. An advanced growth scaled business has a really strong position in its market. You're focused, you know your swim lane. Pre that second brick wall, a lot of businesses have started off with their friends and family as, as, as clients and as they've grown up, they've retained them. But their business has matured and changed and may not be the right place for those people to be. But if we're still doing them, it's a non-cost to the business. So how do we narrow it down and start focusing on where we're really going to make our money? The word there is focus. At a personal level, when you're feeling frustrated, stressed, etc., disillusioned, go to... How do I reposition myself? What am I focusing on? What do I need to personally refocus on to re-engage? The second piece is distribution. We, in companies, like to have good channels to market and uh, grow those and develop those. Um, that's about relationship. So if, if I'm anywhere along here, how much time am I spending on my relationships? Building them, developing them. I think I was with uh, Judo Bank last night and we were talking about um, some years ago doing some work with ANZ Bank and uh, getting to understand what I call the economic value of a cup of coffee. When they did the numbers, every cup of coffee worked out to be close to $2 million worth of loan opportunity for them. So are you working your relationships and can you measure them so that you can see that the first 10 coffees may not go anywhere but they all lead me to the 11th. So that $55 well spent or $110 well spent because that one's going to be the one. The economic value of your relationships, massive. Functionality and structure, as businesses grow, are we investing in the processes, systems, etc.? If I'm starting to feel energetically frustrated or stressed, what are the systems that are supporting me both emotionally, physically and intellectually? How am I supporting myself with the right people around me to make sure I can last this journey. Management or capability skills, do I have all the skills? One of the things we look for in searches is that they don't have all the skills, but they have the self-awareness to know where to find the ones that they don't have and leverage those. That's really important. And the last one is succession. Obviously for businesses that's important, but also for you, not in terms of selling the business off, but in terms of your role as you grow that business. Who's sitting behind me? Am I making sure I am becoming as irrelevant as I can be as quickly as I can be in the roles? Otherwise, I'm going to get stuck in this role. Your job is to become as high as you can oversight looking at your business so you can look strategically over that brick wall and start to look at things like scale, etc. Almost time. Any questions? No? Good. So your journey is one of self-awareness. How is it playing out for you, your investors, your sellers, your staff, your clients? All that journey is for everybody. They all go through it. Even your products will go through that journey. It's a life cycle. Put a new product into your business, everyone's excited by it. How do we manage that energy? Your role as leaders is to manage the energy in the businesses that you run. And what strategies can you put in place? 
have that conversation with someone around you for a few minutes and then I want to hear your responses. Go, you've got two minutes. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. All right. I'd like to, um, to ask people in the room. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Clearly some animated conversation going on. Would somebody like to share um, what they were saying at their table? This gentleman. Hold on, I'm going to come up here and kind of put my microphone near him. No, no pressure. Uh, <laughs> um, so one of one of my uh, favorite books is uh, um, Good to Great by Jim Collins, and he has this uh, concept uh, of of finding the sweet spot, and it's all about doing something that you're passionate about, making sure it's economically viable, so you get rewarded for what you do, and making sure you're reasonably good at it. So there's no point being a math tutor if you if you hate, if you're not good at math. So coming back to uh, coming back to this, I think within an organization, between the employees and customers and investors, everyone's got to be in the right seats. People have to be on the right seat. If you've got the wrong person in the wrong place, it's not going to work. And they have to be incentivized and, and rewarded in a way that makes sense to their life. So, um, and, and really, you have to be able to, you have to be reasonably good at what you're doing. So I think, and if you find that sweet spot in any organization, you have your, you know, you're off for the races, so to speak. Great, thank you. I like the uh, off to the races analogy because oh, thank you. Louis and I use it all the time when people say, what's the search fund? We go, well, it's just like racing a horse. You just got to find the right jockey and then they'll find the right horse. Um, anyone else? Now that I've got the microphone. One more? No? Japan. In the business, we, we recently, I mean, everybody probably going through the same um, nightmare, call it, uh, to get the right talent or any talent. And suddenly we were at that, that uh, growth um, red line and um, desperately looking for people. Um, we must have uh, interviewed people, we hired, and out of uh, four people we hired, two left within the month and uh, my leadership team and I were sitting down and thinking, are we doing the right thing or we are just over expecting thinking successions and growth and all that thing. So um, time will tell, but the idea was that, you know, how do we minimize the bloodshed when we hit that, that big red dot? Um, and when I go, went and spoke to those people who were leaving, they said, why? And I, I kind of realized that they just wanted to be in that, that happy times. And they didn't want to talk about or not ready for that. So um, sometimes for many businesses, it has been quite a shock to say why people are leaving. Is it a turn out? Is, what, is, what is wrong? So that's where we are, that... Uh, it, it's about the culture that you and the vision or the focus that yes. you have. And um, so, so I don't know, as like I said, time will tell that whether you 
hire in good times, but then hire for the stressful times? Uh, or you should just hire in good times for good times? Yeah, good questions. Um, I don't think there's any direct answer because you'll find some people will you, you've hired from the beginning that will go right through to the end with you and others that won't last the distance. And, and to me, I don't think one is right or wrong. Um, there are many people who start a business and the people that start with them, um, it, it, they're no longer fit for purpose. I think um, Nick talks about tours of duty. And if you know your tour of duty or somebody is over, then you have to have an adult conversation with them. As I say to a few of the searchers, it's got to be fast and it's got to be with love right. um, to exit them. So, uh, and you'll all experience that when you're running your business. Some people just won't have that tour of duty capability to take it right through the end. And so you're constantly hiring, you're constantly looking, especially as you grow. And being aware their energy might actually be in stress and disillusion because, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Great. Move. Move. Yeah. Mad. Mad. Thanks. I think you were talking about uh, strategies. Uh, one of the things we spoke about is just having the right support structures in yeah. place and people around. So one of the examples uh, that, that's helped for me is having, uh, I guess, a personal board of advisors for myself or whatever I'm doing. So someone give you a good perspective, a bad perspective, but just having those people around who can sort of help you yeah. around and, the guardrails. And I think if you go back to Tim's presentation, um, the one thing that really attracted Louie and I and, and certainly Nima to this enterprise of search is that that's an inbuilt part of the process. Um, if it's done right, you get that sense of uh, an advisory board that sits around you and you can call on them and everyone that comes to you will come with different skills and different capability. And as a potential searcher, one thing to look at is who do I want? Not only, it's not just about the money, it's not just about the cash to cap me up, but it's what is the skill set? What things do I think I need support with going forward as I raise my search fund and then go forward into raising the capital for the acquisition? Um, and, you know, if you talk to some of the searchers in the US that have been around the, the search fund process for a few years. They're very clinical about that. They've actually targeted the investors they want. Sometimes a couple of, they've researched for a couple of years and they've been going to search fund conferences and meeting all the investors with no intention of asking half of them. But when the time comes for them to go search, they are laser focused on who they're gonna go and talk to because it's about what are the skill sets that I need to surround myself with to make me the best I can be when I'm running that company. Yeah. Any questions? If not, I shall leave it there. Thank you. So thanks to Ak for a really interesting perspective on the journey as a searcher, um, as an entrepreneur through acquisition and the highs and lows and the mindset changes that are necessary to navigate those various stages of that journey. One great quote that he included there from Einstein was that not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that can be counted counts. So I think it's very easy for us all to fall in the trap of looking for things we can measure and then measuring them to the nth degree and trying to design our approach based on those measurements. But sometimes rather than thinking, we need to feel, we need to understand what those emotional aspects are that are going through for us and also for those around us. 
He also sort of commented on that stat that emotional engagement creates four times the impact than rational engagement does. So really connecting with your stakeholders can have a big impact. So the thing that I just wanted to draw back out again, I know that he summarized it at the end, was these five things that it's possible to focus on when you're feeling the ups and downs it's easier to come back and reset yourself by focusing on these five things. So the first one is your position and focus. So that's internally. How do you make sure that you've got the right focus? How are your relationships tracking and are you managing them properly? So what's your external interactions? What are the structure and systems that you have in place to support you? And and are they doing what they need for you or do you need to do some resetting there? What skills do you need and what skills do you have and what's the gap? that you can fill to help yourself to continue moving forward. And then finally, and and very importantly, it's the point of succession. You know, we talk about lack of succession creating the opportunity for searchers to buy. I think it's then making sure that searchers once in that owner-operator situation are continually thinking about their own succession and making sure that they're focusing on how they can over time make themselves redundant from that business such that then they can position it for growth and potentially exit in the future. So thanks again to Ak, the fantastic, unique perspective on this process, and I really enjoyed it. 